0: نؤذيني بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم ولقد اتيناك سماعا من المثاني والقران العظيم صدق الله العظيم واصفقوا لنا مايكان الله he was in the Masjid And Nabi ﷺ called him so Eventually he came there are A few in- details in between Which we are leaving out Just to get to the main points So Rasulullah ﷺ then said to him that, I will teach you a surah Which is the greatest surah of the Qur'an Sharif and he mentioned to him Before you even leave the Masjid I will teach you this So now this was something that Might have crossed his mind that The greatest surah of the Quran Sharif Might be a very lengthy surah So In any case After a while Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Began leaving the Masjid So he walked along And then he reminded Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam That you told me you would Teach me the greatest surah of the Quran Sharif Otherwise, maybe this would require some time. We are already leaving. The peace responded and said, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Meaning, Suratul Al-Fatiha. That this is the greatest surah of the Qur'an Sharif. Yes, Sab'ul wa Wal Qur'an azim This is the seven ayats that are repeated over and over again. This is itself Quranul Al-Azim. This is the greatest portion of the Quran Sharif, Surah Al-Fatiha, which is known as Um Ummul Quran, which is the source of the entire Quran Sharif itself. And the importance of the surah is obvious; that it is this surah that we have to recite. We got no choice but to recite. A person not reciting the surah, his salah won't be complete. He doesn't recite the surah, his salah is not complete. Then obviously, the most fundamental obligation of Deen is not complete. And during the course of the day, he adds up all his farais, his farz, and his sunnat and so on. There'll be 32 rakats. He's with her. 32 rakats in the day. So 32 times. And obviously, if he's reciting behind the Imam, the Imam's recitation is for him. Man kana lahu imamun, fa qira'atul imami lahu So in any case, 32 times a day, he's got no choice but to recite this surah of the Quran Sharif. So there is a tremendously deep message in this as well And this is the message that we have to forever keep alive in our hearts and minds Keep conscious of Keep revising Keep refreshing Obviously this repetition itself is a daily refreshing and revision But unfortunately we recite it in a way that we don't pay any attention to what the message is Illa masha'allah. Those whom Allah Ta'ala blesses with the tafiq. Of reflecting on what they are reciting. And bearing in mind the message and the lesson of this surah, they are reading it over and over again. If we count somebody is recite- performing his salah for the past 20 years, somebody 30 years, somebody 50 years. And inshallah we are performing all the farb sunnat e muqadah. So how many thousands of times we have recited suratul al already. So what is the message of this surah? That is what we try to InshaAllah Revise You would have heard this many times before But as mentioned That just as we have to keep revising it Daily in our Salah We have to revise the message as well So in the Surah Allah Ta'ala Says Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen All praise is due to Allah Ta'ala Every praise that anybody can ever make And anything and everything That anybody can ever praise Any praise And every praise This is due to Allah Ta'ala alone. Now there is so much of detail in this one statement already. But just one lesson to draw from this. That any praise and every praise is due to Allah Ta'ala alone. If a person absorbs this, then on the one side, he would be, inshallah, cleaned of pride. Because when does pride really creep into a person? When he thinks of himself as praiseworthy in some way or the other. I am somebody, I am something, I can do a lot, I have great contacts, I am somebody who has great amount of power, lot of influence. In other words, I am the man, I am somebody or something. But when he understands and realizes, I am nobody and nothing, all praise is due to Allah Ta'ala alone. If there is anything I perceive as some kind of excellence in me, it's because only Allah Ta'ala has allowed it to be there. Like the person praising that painting and he's going on and on. What a wonderful painting this is. He's really praising the artist. The painting has got no choice of itself. That painting is lifeless. It cannot get to that point of excellence on its own in any way. It didn't paint itself. It did nothing. So likewise this insan, anything he possesses is only from Allah Ta'ala. Any apparent excellence he has is only because Allah Ta'ala has blessed him with it. And Allah Ta'ala has the full power to snatch it away in a moment. And Allah save us and protect us, these things have happened in moments. A person was, mashallah, very eloquent, and in one second there was a stroke, he can't speak one word. A person could really go into the depths of things and analyze things, and he had that insight... And something happened, there was a brain tumor or something just struck in a moment. He lost his mind. A person had a lot of skill in his hands. And something happened, his hand got paralyzed. Where's the skill gone to? Allah Ta'ala save us and protect us from all these happenings and occurrences. But the lesson to learn in all this is that everything and anything that we have and we think is ours is only from Allah Ta'ala. If a person has truly absorbed this, every day, every rakat, he's reciting Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen. He's listening to the Imam recite Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen. He needs to keep reminding himself, I am nobody and nothing. All praise is due to Allah Ta'ala alone. And then when he's absorbed this together with this, if somebody else has something, that too is from Allah Ta'ala alone. So why should I ever be jealous over anybody else's good, something somebody has been blessed with? What I have is from Allah Ta'ala, what that person has is from Allah Ta'ala also. So I should praise Allah Ta'ala on what I have, what he has. This one statement alone, if the reality of it settles in the heart, it will eliminate pride, it will eliminate jealousy, two major cancers which destroy the spirituality of a person. And let alone destroy spirituality, it leads him on the road of great amount of other spiritual ailments. With this comes malice, with this comes a person despising others, looking down on others, doing all kinds of other sinful things. Now he becomes jealous over somebody, he wants to try and harm the person, run him down. The least is he'll make ghibah of him to just create a bad picture about him. All this stems from these two major maladies. And Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen eliminates these things from the root, provided that the reality of this settles in our hearts. It's no more that something that should be recited just for the sake of just going through it, but to absorb that message and that meaning of Alhamdulillah Alameen Then Allah Ta'ala says, Al-Rahman al-Rahim, the most merciful, the most compassionate, every breath we take is purely because of the Rahmat of Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala holds back his Rahmat, we won't be able to take one breath easily. That sip of water we take is because of his mercy. And this mercy is so complex so comprehensive in dunya that it is because of this mercy that even that disbeliever, that atheist the person who is rejecting Allah Ta'ala Allah Ta'ala is feeding him as well Allah Ta'ala is allowing him to survive also as a form of respite that maybe he'll come back perhaps something will bring him back to Allah Ta'ala so this is that rahmat of Allah Ta'ala a person does anything he should be conscious of this rahmat Allah Ta'ala is me to do it out of his mercy I slept and woke up. الحمد لله الذي أحيانا بعدما All praise is due to Allah. Allah out of his rahmat enabled me to come alive again. After this death of sleep. He reached his destination safely. He should be recognizing the rahmat of Allah and his grace. Anything and everything that has worked for him, he should be recognizing this is the rahmat of Allah. So in any case, Al-Rahim and the aspect of Rahim, this is that intense Rahmat of Allah Ta'ala, which will be specifically for the believers on the day of Qiyamah. Allah Ta'ala says, Malik Master of the Day of Judgment, Owner of the Day of Judgment. In dunya, we call ourselves Malik in various ways, Owner. It's my car, my house, my business, my wealth, my property, and it's me and I. A lot of things we attribute to ourselves. In a sense, some kind of limited ownership insan has been given in dunya. Something belongs to him in the sense that nobody else can now just come and do what he wants, take it away for himself, come and just pick it up on his own and go away, use it. It's belonging to somebody. He doesn't have the right to touch it. But this is a very limited ownership. It's an ownership in one sense, but it's purely an amanat. It's a trust from Allah Ta'ala. And because it is a trust from Allah Ta'ala, Allah Ta'ala is reminding him all the time. Remember Maliki Allah Ta'ala is the master of the day of judgment. The day of judgment is coming. And you will be asked about all these na'mats and bounties. latus alunna يَوْمَ إِذِنْ عَنِ naeen. Then on that day you will be questioned about all the blessings and bounties that were showered upon you. That what were these bounties, what it, how it was earned, how it was spent. Was it spent the way Allah Ta'ala was pleased with? Because this is an amanat. And an amanat to use it against what the owner wants is khiyanat. That is misappropriating the trust. So how was this amanat used? Was it used in a way that Allah Ta'ala is pleased? Was it used to fulfill one's needs, one's family's needs? And Allah Ta'ala has blessed somebody with something, then with comfort and some extras as well, no problem. But provided it's all within the limits of shariat and deen. And then together with that, helping the servants of Allah Ta'ala. Helping those who are less fortunate. Sharing this gift of Allah Ta'ala with those who are desperate. This is what this amanat is for. It is not for making a name for oneself. I will have a seven or star-studded wedding for my son, for my daughter and make a name for myself. Or I will live it up in a style that everybody must know who I am. Or waste it in haram things. No, Maliki, Yum mid this day of judgment is coming. And this day of judgment is coming in dunya, a person gets away apparently with many things. But apparently, outwardly, in reality, in reality if a person is running, he is running away from somebody that is trying to catch him, but he is running towards a dead end. So he is really not running anywhere. Because he is coming to a dead end, he is going to get caught. He can't go beyond the dead end. It's all enclosed. So he can run only till that point, he can't run beyond that. So when somebody knows he's running towards a dead end, nobody says this person is getting away. You see he's just running into his, in the hands of his capture. Likewise in dunya insan sometimes thinks I can do what I want and how I want it and get away. He's running into a dead end, the dead end of the grave is there. And that too is only the start of the end. And then the day of judgment is coming. He will be asked about all his deeds in dunya. In the hadith sharif, Nabi Islam says that all the rights of people, all the rights of the creation of Allah Ta'ala will be fulfilled on the day of Qiyamah. Whatever was not settled in dunya, every right of every creation will be settled on the day of Qiyamah. <laughs> Hatta shatil jalha To the extent that a hornless goat which was oppressed in dunya by a goat with horns. Now this was a hornless goat; it couldn't defend itself. On the day of qiyamah, the roles will be reversed. It will be given its opportunity to take revenge. But the animals, then it will be kunu toraba, become dust. End of the story for them. Insan, no, no. After that, hisab kitab. Nabi Islam says that a person who didn't fulfill the rights in dunya. Now he'll have to pay back. How he's going to pay back? There's no rands and cents or dollars or pounds on the day of Qiyamad. He'll pay back with his good deeds. For one dirham, which is a few rands in dunya, mentioned in Shami that 700, 500 or 700 accepted salah will be given to the person whose one dirham was usurped. One dirham, 500 accepted salah. How many salah do we have that we can claim will be accepted? So this is a very very difficult moment if a person didn't settle his dues in dunya. Allah Ta'ala is reminding us in every rakat, of every salah, Maliki yawmiddin. I can get away only for a short time in dunya if I am doing something wrong. Apparently that too not forever, not always in dunya also. But Akhirat is coming, the day of judgment is coming. How I dealt with people, how I spoke to people, how I dealt with my family. Did I speak in a way that brought happiness to people's hearts? Or did I always say things that crushed people? Broke someone down? Humiliated somebody? Running someone down all the time? Making sarcastic comments? Then all this will be also accountable on the day of Qiyamah. Maliki They are being reminded over and over again. Then wa Ya Allah, you alone do we worship. Because nobody and nothing is worthy of worship besides Allah Ta'ala. Allah alone is the being of all these attributes. He is Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. He is Ar-Rahman ar He is Maliki So Allah alone is worthy of worship. So when Allah alone is worthy of worship, we do not worship our nafs. We don't worship shaitan. In following their evil temptations, in following the promptings of this nafs to do what is haram, otherwise this is a kind of ibadat and a kind of worship of the nafs. Whatever the nafs commands, we do it. Whatever shaitan commands, we do it. That is ibadat of a kind, of nafs and shaitan. Do this wrong, the person is ready. Look at this haram, he's gone into it. Listen to this evil music, he's ready for it. Talk this ribat, he's already talking it. Whatever nafs and shaitan prompts a person, he's already into it. This two afara'ayta manittakhada ilahahu hawa Allah Ta'ala says, have you seen that person made his desires, his deity, is worshipping his desires? So no, we don't worship our desires. Ya Allah, we worship you alone. And Ya Allah, you alone do we seek help from. That in reality, only Allah Ta'ala is the being that can assist us. On the level of means, maybe we might ask somebody to assist us in something. He'll only do it if Allah Ta'ala enables it to happen. One person came to Harun Rashid and he asked for something. He wanted some help. But in that he said something. He said, Look, in A'atayt, فالmu'tihu Allah, wa انت المشكور. If you give it, in reality Allah has given it. You didn't give it in reality. But nevertheless, you will be also, I will be grateful to you. Your goodness will be acknowledged. Because we have to be grateful to the means as well. But he is now clarifying it. In fal فالmu'tihu Allah. Allah alone is the giver. You will never us, be appreciated. وَإِنْ مَنَعْتْ And if you don't give me, in reality it is Allah that has held it back. You will be excused. It's up to you. But this is that reality. That we seek help from Allah alone. Any issue, we first start off with Salatul Hajah. We raise our hands to Allah. We don't go and knock the door of the bank manager for that loan on interest which will bring further haram, further calamity, which will bring the lanyat of Allah Ta'ala. So, Ya can abdu wa ya can sirat al mustaqim. Ya Allah guide us to the straight path. This is a dua we cannot do without. Every other dua we have been encouraged to make, this dua we have to make. This dua is necessary upon us to make because we don't decide Surah Al-Fatiha, our salah won't be made. And this is therefore the greatest need that insan has, that he's been taught to make this dua daily minimum 32 times, including his sunat et muakkadah etc. 32 times he has to make this dua. Can we imagine the greatest need more than anything else in life he needs is hidayat, guidance from Allah Ta'ala. He has this guidance from Allah Ta'ala, he's got everything. And he is missing this guidance from Allah Ta'ala, he's got nothing. He can have everything of dunya. One is the level of the most elementary and basic level is hidayat to iman. But then there is no limit to hidayat. Therefore he keeps asking for hidayat, which we term as tawfiq. The ability from Allah Ta'ala. We are in the masjid, it's because of the tawfiq of Allah Ta'ala. We are desperately in need of this tawfiq and this guidance from Allah Ta'ala at every moment of our life. We will walk out of the masjid, We'll need the tawfiq of Allah tala to keep our gaze low. We'll be in that business, we'll need the tawfiq of Allah tala to make sure that every transaction is halal. We need the tawfiq of Allah ta'ala to do whatever it is to earn his pleasure. And therefore we have to keep begging for this tawfiq. Ihedina Sirat al-Mustaqeen. Allah says sirat al ladina an'amta alayhim Now uh, who is the sirat al-mustaqim? The straight path. Allah guide us to the straight path. What is the straight path? The straight path is obviously and goes without saying the path of the Qur'an and Sunnah. Because that is what the Qur'an Sharif has already spelled out to us. The very simple way to now define the straight path would have been Siratul Qur'ani wa Sunnah. But Allah Ta'ala says Siratul ladina and Amta'aleem. Allah Ta'ala is teaching us how to ask this dua. That we want to be guided to the straight path. Allah Ta'ala is teaching us that ask for the path Sirat al Ladeen an Ya Allah, the path of those people whom you have guided, who you, whom you have favored. And what these people, minan Nabiyyin, was Siddieteen, was shuhada wa saliheen, as explained in ayat. The ambiari Musallatu wa salam, the doors of Nubuwat are closed. But then the Siddiqin, the Shuhada and Saliheen will carry on till Tiyamat. Ya Allah, you guide us to the path of these people. But why is it not the path of the Quran and Sunnah? Why the path of these people? Because these are the people who will correctly guide us to the Quran and Sunnah. We cannot expect to understand the depths of the Quran and Sunnah without that depth of knowledge. A person cannot go and put up a building because he just wants to do it, but he doesn't use the expertise of an engineer. He doesn't go and do heart surgery because he just felt well okay I need to do something but he is a person who is a farmer. Now he wants to do heart surgery. So everything a person goes to the experts for it. Allah is saying you want the straight path you go to the people who have understood the straight path. And this has come all the way from the unbroken chain from Rasulullah Sirat al-lazeen an'amta alayhim ghairil maghdoobi alayhim not those who have been who's the wrath of Allah has come and neither those who are astray not the Yahud and Nasara every rakat we are saying Allah save us from the ways of Yahud and Nasara in any case this point of the path of people just quickly to just wrap, on, wrap up on this when Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam the people of Yemen they needed to be taught Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam sent Hazrat Muaz bin Jabal and he sent him to teach the people of Yemen he didn't just send a copy of the Qur'an Sharif he said, you follow Hazrat Mu'az. He is the person that extremely learned in terms of the, in terms of the Qur'an shari. He was the mufti of the time among the Sahaba. When Hazrat Umar. In his time, he sent Hazrat Ammar bin Yasir and Hazrat Abdullah bin Mas'ud to Kufa. When he sent them, he sent a letter with them addressed to the people of Kufa. And he said to them, "Inni qad ba'athu ilaykum Ammar bin Yasirin Amira. Ammar ibn Yasir, he is your leader. And I sent Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, Wazira mu'alliman wa Wazira. He is your teacher, he is the advisor. Then he says that they are among the elite of the Sahaba Ikram. They have participated in Badr. You learn from them, you follow them. Who is saying this? Sayyidina Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu anhu. Who Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, if there was a Nabi after me, it would have been Umar. He's sending these people, you follow them. Oh people of Kufa, you don't take your own chances. You take your own chances, you'll fall into severe deviation. You follow these experts who are sent. You learn from them. Once Urwa bin Zubair anh, he said to Abdullah bin Abbas radiallahu anh, that you let the people astray. I say, what do you mean I let the people astray? He says, you are giving this particular fatwa regarding some aspect of hajj. But Abu Bakr and Umar radiallahu their fatwa is different. So Ibn Abbas became a bit upset. So he said, A Huma indak, amma fi kitabillah, rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam fi ashabihi wa ummati." What is more preferable to you? What has greater preference in your sight, Abu Bakr and Umar, what is in the Quran and Sunnah? Now, what a question! Can anybody tell? It's like you're making the two things on opposite, this or that. And that's exactly the kind of question in this time people ask. Do you want to follow the Qur'an and Sunnah or follow Imam Abu Hanifa, Imam Malik, Imam Shafi, Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal? Who are you following? Does this happen that kind? So now this Allah made it happen so we'll get the answer for now. So who are you going to follow? So Urwa bin Zubair, Rahimahullah replied and said that هُمَا كَانَا أَعْلَمَ بِكِتَابِ اللَّهِ وَبِمَا Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam minni wa minka. That Abu Bakr and Umar radiyallahu knew what is in the Qur'an Sharif and knew the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu better than me and you. These are the most senior people. And when both of them are in conformity that this is the correct fatwa, then their understanding of the Qur'an and sunnah will be given preference. And therefore we will follow that. Now there is a very detailed technical discussion in this regard. But they listen for us that's this time and age also these kind of fancy things keep coming about people try to confuse create this major confusion the person is following these great experts in deen then na'uzu billah if you're following them, you're not following quran and sunnah either you're following quran and sunnah or you follow them one of the two na'uzu as if they are taking you into some other path, whereas they are taking you nowhere else but to the quran and sunnah and this is a lesson we learn every day in Surah Al-Fatiha, we are saying, اِهْدِنَا الصِّرَاطَ الْمُسْتَقِيمِ سِرَاطَ الَّذِينَ أَنْعَمْتَ عَلَيْهِمْ Allah guide us to the path of these people. Allah tabarik wa ta'ala give us a tawfiq, enable us to absorb all these messages and lessons of Surah Al-Fatiha and stay on Siratul al at all times. Alhamdulillah.